Welcome to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Danny Yamashiro here. Welcome to The Good Life. Encouraging you with inspirational stories to share with family and friends through perspectives of hope in Jesus Christ. How does a U.S. Navy veteran use his international experience as a Catholic priest? In what ways did his work at a public radio station in Boston prepare him for his media ministry that touches New England and beyond, all from his local parish. This is the story of Father Robert Carr. We pause here as we typically do to remind you the reason we have the Good Life program. Well, dear friend, it's to share how the love of Jesus makes a difference in the lives of people. I'm talking about the love of Jesus so strong that he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He was buried and rose again on the third day, offering God's hope. Father Robert J. Carr is the pastor of St. Anthony of Padua Parish in Alston, Massachusetts, where there is a welcome to all those who seek to know, love, and serve our Lord Jesus Christ in this world and the next. Ordained in 1993 at Holy Cross Cathedral, Father Carr served mostly in inner-city parishes for much of his priesthood, working in up to three languages, English, Spanish, and Portuguese. Father Carr, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you very much. And you obviously did your research on on who I am. That's That was great. Enjoyed reading about you. Oh, thank you. Take us back. Where did you grow up? I grew up not too far from here. I grew up in Weymouth, Massachusetts. Uh, right um, about a mile up from Weymouth Landing. And, you know, a, a nice little, uh, we call them now cul-de-sac, dead-end street. Uh, and, uh, you know, and that's where I grew up. Um, my father and mother were interesting people. My father wrote for the Boston Globe. So he was a writer for the Globe. He, he was a writer for... Except for his time in the military during World War II from like 1942 right up until 1985. He died with his boots on basically in 1985. So we grew up as a Boston Globe family and that was back before it was bought by the New York Times. It was back when it was run by the Taylors. And I worked for the Globe in my college years uh, before I joined the Navy. And then my mother was a nurse. But my mother uh, suffered from... uh, something that started after a car accident in 1967. And it affected, she slowly lost her ability to walk until she actually was, uh, she could only move a hand. Anything from the neck down, the only thing she could move was a hand. So those two together were kind of an interesting inspiration for, for all of us, especially dealing with that whole thing in the background. You mentioned all of us. Were there siblings? I have a brother and a sister, an older sister 
uh, and a younger brother. Um, my sister is six years older. My brother's seven years younger. And um, my sister's retired now. She worked. She worked sales for medical sales for many years. And then my brother, uh, kind of following the footsteps of my father, as at one time was editor of major news, major city newspaper out in New York, not the Times. <laughs> <laughs> Or any of down near the city. And um, then he ended up switching over to the internet. He's been involved in the internet ever since. You mentioned inspiration mm-hmm. from your mother's condition. Yes. From 1967 on, that car mm-hmm. accident. Mm-hmm. Inspiration in what way? Um, oh, she had a huge sense of humor. I loved it. This is my, this is my mother. This is, and you'd know this experience being ordained yourself. We were talking ordained the same year. My mother in a hand, in a wheelchair. She's, you know, she's she's handicapped in a wheelchair, <laughs> and at my uh, the the dinner after I was ordained, you know, the, the big dinner you have. She as people are walking in, she's greeting them. We were at the Wollaston Golf Club. I think that's what, it, what it's called. The Wall, the new Wollaston Golf Club. Saying to everyone, wasn't by example, by the way, wasn't by example. <laughs> that was my mother. What a sense of humor she had. And she was just, just joking around. She was very, very, very funny. Going back to childhood. Yeah. Who would you say influenced you most? I had up years? a wild, wild isn't the right word, but just a great grand uncle. Mm. He was a Trappist monk for 20 years. Had to leave the Trappist for uh, health reasons. And that was when the, the current monastery, Trappist Monastery, is in Spencer, Massachusetts, but at this time it was in Rhode Island. And um, then he became a priest. Well, he was a priest then, but then he became a diocesan priest. But he, he was sent out to Utah. And he actually got parish to parish on a borough. He actually, and this is something I always remember this every time I see the Mormons. He rode his burrow into a Mormon car dealer and says, look, you want to spread your faith and I want to spread it. Is there any way you could help me? And the guy gave him a brand new Cadillac every year while he was in Utah. You know, So I always remember that. And I always tell people, when you see the Mormons who are doing their missionary work, you, you, know, you may not agree with what they're teaching, but keep in mind that they're... they're as missionaries, and don't forget that. So I always say hello to the Mormons. And that was, and then he. What was your uncle's name? Interesting. I'll throw this out. I'm named after my father, who was named after his uncle John. Now, my first name is That's Robert. Right. Granduncle, right? Mm-hmm. Granduncle. Well, it was my father's uncle. Right. The granduncle, when he was a, a monk, his name was Father Robert, but his actual name was John, John Egan. And oh, just just an absolute character. He he really was. He uh, I told the story in the church the other day. He wanted to see John. He would do this all the time. But but he told the story. He wanted to see John Wayne. Of course, this is back in the forties or the fifties. Must have been the fifties. So he went to to Hollywood and whatever studio I think Paramount or whatever studio. So he says, I want to see John Wayne. Well, I'm sorry, Father, you can't see John Wayne. And he would always do this. The Lord put. John Wayne on the earth, and the Lord put me on the earth. And he said, I can see John Wayne. And they let him in. 
And he only wanted to know if he went to church. <laughs> that was my uncle, my granduncle. Um, had a conversation with John Wayne. Yes, he did. And Cecil B. DeMille, by the way. Hmm. Yes. Uh, and that was his main thing. He was just very much alive in the faith. He was well ahead of his time. Very much alive in the faith and very much alive and just living the faith. Uh, and he really was always into helping people understand that God's mercy is everywhere. You know? God's mercy, indeed, everywhere. We often don't realize that. We don't see it. We, it, it doesn't mean it's not there mm-hmm. just because we don't see it. Describe for us your journey, Father Carr, to the priesthood. Well, I uh, grew up in a Catholic family, obviously, um, my mother couldn't go to church that much because of her handicap. Uh, we actually used to go to Immaculate Conception Parish first because it's, it's all on one floor. And, um, but we were very much, uh, you know, a Catholic family. I thought of becoming um, a priest maybe in junior high school. But then I turned away. And then not only did I turn away... I, I you know, always tell this story. I also embraced um, the fine fruits of Anheuser Busch, <laughs> and that was used to drink a, a lot of uh, uh, tons of beer, and that's how I lived. I mean, I, I, I and even when I was in the Navy, obviously the sailors drank. and um, you know, and then I had been in other, you know, I'd been in Japan, I'd been in Okinawa, I'd been, well. We actually didn't go on land in Okinawa, but in Hong Kong, and it was it was all about drinking. And I came to a point when I was in the Philippines, where again, it's all about drinking, where uh, I had um, came to realize that this drinking thing was going a little bit too fast. And one of the reasons is because I wanted a beer on a Sunday morning with my breakfast, and you couldn't buy beer on the base. And that's when I started realizing this is a problem. And I made a deal with God. I says, I'll I'll go, I'll quit my drinking if you don't turn me into one of those praise the Lord people. And I'll quit my drink, go back to you if you don't turn me into one of those praise the Lord people. And neither of us kept kept our side of the the bargain. I quit my drinking, he turned me one of those praise the Lord people. Uh, I'm going to quit my drinking, Father Robert Carr says. Yeah. And, uh, but don't turn me into one of those praise the The Lord Lord people. people. (laughs) Well, we'll come back and talk more about what happened, because obviously, as he said, neither of them kept their side of the deal. You're listening to Father Bob Carr. You can find out more about him at SaintAnthonyAlston.org. And when we come back, we'll talk about the journey to the priesthood. He had a a dynamic childhood. If you listen to his granduncle, the Trappist monk, actually he takes on the name of his granduncle. Actually, his name was John, but Father Robert is what he went by. Wrote a burro to different churches in Utah, and then eventually drove a Cadillac from a dealership. More from Father Carr when we come back. Stay with us. Leave it to me, I'll lead you all. 
James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is brought to you by generous sponsors. Thank you to Coach Dino Babers and Mrs. Susan Babers, Mr. Edmund Jung and Mrs. May Jung, Mr. Rodney Arias Sr., A1A Electrician, Cedar Assembly of God, and the Thursday Men's Breakfast, Boston. If you, your business, or your church would like to support The Good Life with Dr. Danny, please visit drdanny.live. Join our partnership team. That's drdanny.live. Thank you. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience the good life today. Father Robert Carr was pastor of what was three parishes and now one with two churches, Holy Trinity Parish in Quincy, Massachusetts, located in along the Quincy Mass shoreline. He blogs, does videos, and is the author of Encounter Christ in Your Humanity. Before our break, we were talking about his journey to the priesthood. He left us with a part of the way we need to finish. You can find out more about him at stanthonyolston.org. Father Carr, take us back. How did you make a decision? You, you, You came to that crisis moment where he said, it doesn't seem right inside me now that I'm wanting beer for breakfast mm-hmm. on base and I can't get beer anyway. Get there, yeah. So I'm going to say a prayer. And But just, Lord, don't turn me into one of those praise the Lord people. What happened? Well, um, so I slowly come back to the church. Um, actually, I came back in, this was, what, 1979, yes, 1979. And one of the most fascinating things is my sister and my aunt greeted the ship. This is when I was in the Philippines, so greeted when it came back in San Diego, which I'd never expected because they're from New England. And there they were. And we, we uh, and of course, Sunday's coming along and they need to go to church, which technically I do too, but I wasn't, so... So anyway, so we took him to a parish out in Point Loma, St. Charles Borromeo. And anyway, had a great time and the whole bit. As a matter of fact, just as a quick sidelight, my sister again was from New England, right? They left New England to get here. Well, they had this thing at SeaWorld, Snow World at SeaWorld, where they cover an area of SeaWorld with snow for people in San Diego to see what snow looks like. Well, she, she was so funny. She reached out. That's real snow. It's like you'd think you were you come from the Sahara. <laughs> you came from New England. <laughs> it was just so funny to see that. But anyway, we had a great time. And... Um, they go back, and I still continue my path, and I decided to quit drinking. I, I tried. I tried a few times, then I got an absolutely horrendous, uh, a uh, what do you call it? I had stopped for a while, then started one night and had a horrendous a hangover at the following. That's enough, and that helped a lot. And Lent came. 
the first Sunday of Lent. And I said, well, Sunday, technically Lent, you're supposed to do something. What can, what can I do? And I said, well, maybe I could go back to church. There's a starter. And I went back to the church that my I took my sister and my aunt to, St. Charles Borromeo. And what a wonderful community there. We had a wonderful experience. And that really showed me a whole different way of church than what I understood. And it was a great experience. Um, met some great people there. And just a very, very Catholic, Christian, uh, friendly community in Point Loma, California, right across the street from the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, by the way. Good experience. And so you, you grew. At what point did you say, well, I think God is leading me to be a priest? This, well, I ended up on my second ship. And um, now remember, I had quit drinking. And I was very much involved with the church. And I also got baptized in the Holy Spirit, which obviously changed a lot of things too. So I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was on a ship, obviously very well known for my uh, living my Catholic faith and everything. And and um, but we had at that time during a period of I think a year and a half, five sailors who died of alcohol abuse, mostly drinking and driving, but not all. Uh, one guy, one of the greatest guys I ever knew. Um, his name, I I won't say his full name, but his last name was Gonzalez, and they called him Gonzo. That's all we ever knew him as. He was just a wonderful guy. And um, his family would call saying his actual name. And as well, I'm sorry, we don't have anyone by that name on the ship. And then so well, everyone calls him Gonzo. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, just a minute. We'll get it. What a great, everyone loved him. He was a great guy, but he had a drinking problem. And... He was at a bar, he was with some friends, got really drunk, and um, they put him in a taxi to go home. And he got out of the taxi because he said, oh, just let me out. And he walked into a truck. Mm. Uh, it was, uh, you know, and he was one of several guys who just over time, and I said, you know, these people really need to know the gospel. And that was one of the first things that I realized the importance of coming to know the gospel and spreading the gospel. Because it was literally, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And, um, and again, they were, he was one of five. We had a guy on the ship who we used to call the, um, the Flying Dutchman. It was a strange story. He had been in three accidents, walked away from each one of them. The first one, he was alone. He walked away, flipped his car. The other two... Everyone in the car died, and he walked away. And he just, and finally he said to me, he says, God spoke to me, he says, that's the last time that's going to happen. You either quit drinking or it's over, you know? Um, and we started talking and just, it, it, that's what really started everything for me to say, hey, it's, it, it, this is what's needed. And so um, I, I eventually came back to Boston. Um, I was I was going to stay out in L.A. and when I got out of the Navy, the rock, I was in California. I was a sonar technician, so I knew electronics. But Lockheed stopped building the L ten eleven, and Rockwell stopped building the space shuttle. So people who knew electronics were a dime a dozen. So I eventually came back to Boston. And uh, 
more thoughts of going into the priesthood and everything else. As a matter of fact, it was an Episcopal priest who spoke to me and said, if you've ever thought of becoming a priest, tell you if, if God wants you to be a priest, he will haunt you until you say yes, which essentially is what happened. And just this constant, you know, you'd walk down the street, everything would become a priest. Who are you? <laughs> so anyway, and eventually I went into the seminary and, and there it was. What are some of the distinctions of serving parishes in English, Spanish, and Portuguese? Oh, um, major differences. Um, well, first of all, one of the things I've realized is the cultural history that plays a huge role in that. So, uh, for example, um, if you go to an English language mass, they tend to be quieter, more reserved. Well, some of the history is related to that, especially if you're dealing with the Irish, because the Irish, when they were in England, weren't allowed, you know, it, it, it was, they had to do masses in secret. So they couldn't be very loud. They couldn't be um, singing loudly and everything else. It was, it, it was, so that becomes part of the culture. The, the uh, Spanish speakers in Latin America, because I was dealing with a lot of Central Americans, the Spanish just loved it when they were expressing their faith. So that became part of their culture. So you see these two absolute differences, both worshiping God, but in two totally different styles. When I preach in Spanish and Portuguese, I can sound the powerful preacher who can come out and say, and I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And let me know. I can't do that in English. I've never been able to do that in English, but I can do it in Spanish. I did it yesterday in Portuguese. You know, and it's because of the styles. It's just the two styles. And it's not, not that people wouldn't let me. It's just it doesn't match my ability in the, in the culture. So, and um, th th that's part of it. There's also... Um, in I, how can I put there, there's the the cultures are very different. So, well, good example. Um, in Catholicism, we have what is known as a mortal sin and a venial sin. Right, mortal sin is and supposed to be very very serious, and a venial sin is a less serious. Well, if you don't go to mass, that's and you purposely you say no, I just not going to do that. That's considered a mortal sin. The Hispanics do not attend mass on Christmas. It's usually not because their Christmas is January 6th, which is Epiphany. That's their big day. So someone said, well, if they're not going Mass, that's a mortal sin. I said, well, no, it's not. I mean, it's just a different culture. Could not help this person understand, but person could not understand it because these are the rules, you have to follow the rules, and this, this is it. And so that's another part of the culture. It's, And it's just the way they are. There's no... It's not good or bad in either culture. It's just the way they are, bringing their Catholic faith um, and how they express it. Oh, uh, many of the English speakers love in New England love to pray in silence. Many of the Hispanics and the Brazilians love to pray with singing and celebration. Two different styles. But you can't mix them. <laughs> A deep understanding, culturally culturally sensitive. Mm -hmm. When we think about language, we cannot 
stay away from culture and the mm-hmm. depth. And when we think about culture, we have to think about history. Where are people coming from? Right. Where did their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on, what did they experience? All these different perspectives give give us a window into people's hearts and minds and how they perceive life today. And Father Robert Carr has a window into all that, and he's able to share even a a bit with us as he has. When we come back from our break, we'll talk a little bit more, yes, reflectively. But did you know that with his his language background, his theological training, his heart for reaching people rooted from wanting to spread the gospel to those who were struggling with alcoholism, he's also got a an interest in the intersection of faith and science. We'll touch on that a little bit more. That and Encounter Christ in Your Humanity, his book. Stay with us. Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. In what way have you seen God work powerfully in your life? Do you have a story to share about God's provision and deliverance? Have you experienced God's healing? Do you have a testimony that will encourage others? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I want to share your story on our radio podcast. Please visit drdanny.live and share your Jesus story by clicking on the link at the top left of the home page. If you'd like to share your testimony in the form of a letter, send your correspondence to Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381-222, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02238. That's Formation Institute, P.O. Box 381-222, Cambridge, Massachusetts, 02238. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Father Robert Carr is a former public radio producer, having worked at a public radio station in the Boston area as a music host, folk and jazz, and public affairs producer and host. He's He's been a writer for, for the news, as his father was, and a man of many talents, but all in the redemptive way of touching people with the love of God found in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being with us. If you're tuning in right now, maybe caught the tail end of the last segment, you can get this program in its entirety. Just go to drdanny.live. It's available on on most major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, you name it, Google, it's all available for you there. And when you listen, share it with a family member or friend. Open your heart to what God has to say. Father Carr, in addition to the, to, 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 to the vast array of interconnectivity that you have in life, the intersection of faith, and science. In what ways have you been involved, been involved in, in those discussions? 
Well, I- interesting. I have I discuss it a lot on the on the my my own show, uh, and um, I'm surrounded by Harvard University, and of course you're involved with MIT, and MIT is just down the street from us, and um, one of the things that I I explain is I take a Venn diagram, and in the in, inside the diagram is science, and outside the diagram is faith. Because what we see and hear and perceive every day, that is what we can. Um, Our ability to perceive the reality around us is limited by our biology. So as people of faith, we believe the universe is bigger than this. But most of it, well, a lot of it we have to understand through faith. So when you look at it this way, you, you realize that with science, you can go as far as science will take you. You know, right now we're looking at everything that's coming out of the James Webb Telescope. I was watching a TV yesterday about Voyager that's now into interstellar space and everything else. But that's all the material world. There's another part that's the spiritual world that we have an understanding of, but that's what we're all about. When we look at the world, we're looking at in a material and a spiritual world, and that's the central part of what it means to be a person of faith. I want to come back to this, but tie it to your book, Encounter Christ in Your Humanity. I wrote it a few years ago, so I have to remember this, yes. The premise, when you talk about distinguishing between Catholicism and an encounter with, with the living Christ. Mm-hmm as opposed to just living with a set of moral standards. Mm-hmm. Say more. Uh, one of the, the things that, well, maybe step back a bit. One thing I forgot to tell you about my story when I came back to the church, it was the evangelicals that led me back to the church. So there's a lot of evangelicalism in my, in my, my history, which is great. It's wonderful. And so in, in light of that, um, Evangelicalism is rooted in relationship with Christ. And the Brazilians from, I'm affiliated with Canção Nova TV, or Canção Nova, which is a huge media operation out of Brazil. Virtually no one knows it up here except for the people who listen to Father Adriano Zandana when he was on, on our program. And he was recently on your Yes, I, well, I run repeats, okay. actually, because he's running the TV operations. I remember hearing his voice. Operation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you hear how excited he is and everything. Well, they have that same understanding as well. This whole thing about teaching, everything begins with this relationship and understanding the mercy of God and everything else. Whereas uh, here there was a lot of focus on, and still is, focus on following the rules. These are the rules. Uh, One story I love to tell is you're not supposed to eat for one hour before receiving communion. Well, this poor guy was at Mass and he had finished lunch 55 minutes before the priest gave out communion. And he says, I wasn't going to receive. And I told him, of course you can receive. He says, it's not 60 minutes. It's an hour, which is roughly 60 minutes. But he wouldn't, nope, that's wrong. That's absolutely wrong, Father, you're wrong. You know, And that kind of very strong legalism loses a sense of our relationship with Christ. You know, And... Th- that whole thing is what I'm bringing with that is that idea that if you're focused on 
I have to make sure I follow the rules, you're not going to be focused on Christ. So you need a combination of both, but it begins with prayer. It begins with relationship with Christ. So uh, one of the things I bring up is the case of the, the good thief on the cross. Um, what does he do? He prays. Remember me when you get into my, your kingdom. That's the first thing he does, and that begins that connection right then and there. And that's what we have to teach people. But too often people are saying, well, you have to understand this and these are the rules and this little bit. You're not going to get anywhere with that. It's, and I personally believe, I mean, if you really think about it, if you have someone that you want to meet Christ and you're living in his time when he was walking the earth, you wouldn't say, well, Jesus is teaching you to do this, that, and the other thing, or this is what you would say, let's go meet him. And that's what we want to do. And then let him say, this is the way I want you to follow me. That's what we've got to do instead of, it's just loaded all this, you know, and, and this is one of the issues that's going on in the Catholic Church today between the Pope and, the, and people who are angry at the Pope. It's that exact issue. The Pope is saying, let's preach the mercy of God, let's preach this pastoral, and people saying, no, these are the rules, and we have to follow the rules. And that is that battle that's going on. Now, the Pope is South American, you know? And I said from day one, this is going to be a different pontificate because he's South American. You write about that as, as, as the tyrannical forms of self-righteous faith hmm. that undermine Christ's work yes. in the world. You're touching a nerve. When oh. you speak of that dichotomy the Pope and those who are from South America and those who are hard, hard bound on the rules. Where did you come to the place of mercy, openness? This idea, you just described it well. It's not, you need to put this on, you need to behave this way, you need to walk this certain way before I can finally take you to Christ. What you're saying is bring them to Christ and let mm -hmm. Christ, mm -hmm. that encounter with Jesus is the supernatural, redemptive, salvific moment. How did you come to that? That's a good question. I, you know, um, I did come to it because I can say there was a part of my life where I was very strict on a certain way. And then, you know, um, I think it was... Um, well, definitely when I encountered the Brazilians and when I had been working with the Hispanics. Um, I mean, because they understand what it was we're called to do, but they also understand the importance of prayer and God's grace and how we work this. And I think that was it. Uh, it doesn't mean that, that, that a lot of people in the English-speaking community don't understand that, but... I think for the older generation, well, I'll, I'll give you a classic example. Um, one of the images I use is the Wizard of Oz. That that uh, phantasm, I don't know, the, 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 the green thing, the, that, you know, the silence. And I said, a, a lot of people grew up with that image of God. And I, one of the parishioners came to me afterwards and says, you're dead on right. That's exactly what we grew up with that this is the way we had to relate to God. Well, how can you relate? That's the whole point of the Wizard of Oz. How do you relate to that God? You don't. That's why they lived in, in all that fear. Um, 
whereas the truth is that we see the way the Lord is saying is, you know, let me teach you of the way the world works, but understand the mercy of God within it, and let's work together to get to an understanding of the mercy of God. I don't know if I explained that right. Do you have a a verse, some say, well, this is my life verse from the scriptures, or, or, or a set of verses that you, throughout your life, they've been a thread mm-hmm. that you could theoretically pull through the Father Robert Carr life oh. that you've gone to as a touch point over the years. I, I'd say there were various ones. Um, one of the most important for me was, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And we will serve the Lord, sorry. That's for me and my house. Uh, that That's one. Um, one of my favorites comes from Sirach. Uh, my son, when you come to serve the Lord, prepare yourself for trials. And you work in ministry, you know, yes, that's the truth. <laughs> you know, but be patient and know. And um, uh Basically, verses along those lines. Um, it, it's one of those things that when you ask me the question, I'll have to think for a minute. Well, for but. example, I I thought of. Let's reflect on this Matthew mm-hmm. six thirty three, where Jesus says, "Seek first the kingdom, kingdom of, God of God, yes, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you." How have you seen God in light of that scripture? Um. The Lord's, it's, it's a very deepening experience, I guess you could say. Um, and, and that's exactly it. When, when you are involved as, I need to follow the rules, this is what I need to do. You can't see God because you're too busy following the rules. That doesn't mean you don't follow rules. You do. But why do you follow the rules? You follow the rules out of love of God and love of neighbor. Right. So now that's a, a different perspective. So um, that's um, the seeking first the kingdom of God comes from I want to be part of this kingdom of God. Um, but I also want them to be part of the kingdom of God. And that, I guess, is where a lot of what I'm involved in, in it's Let's do what we can to get them into the kingdom of God. And then when people say, well, they can't be part of the kingdom of God because X, Y, and Z. Well, that's why we take them over there to Jesus and let him talk to them about that you and I don't understand yet. Or do you know what I'm saying? You're listening to Father Robert Carr. Father Robert Carr is on WEZE and WROL on a daily basis with his, his program. Father, share about the show, the name of the show, and... Uh, how God inspired you to to be? Well, we have two of them, um, 13 minutes apiece. Uh, one of them is uh, WEZE, midnight and 3 o'clock in the morning, and it focuses on just the readings, mostly the first reading, interesting enough. And then the second one is on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on WROL, and it focuses on either interviews. I always do my homily on Mondays. Um, the Or it'll focus on discussion topics within the faith or things that that we need to discuss in light of some of the issues in the church and everything else. So that's more a topic-based where the other one is readings-based. Father Carr, available for you to hear through podcasts and on the, the radio station websites. 
and for you to share as well. When we come back in our final segment, as we typically do, we talk about challenging moments, certainly a time of prayer. I'll ask Father Carr to to pray, to pray for for you, dear friend, as you listen. Maybe you're going through a few bumps along the way, maybe some surprises that hit you sideways recently you just couldn't, couldn't prepare for. Well, he reminds us today that the Lord is present with you. He knows you and he loves you. More from Father Carr when we come back. SaintAnthonyAlston.org. Stay with us. Wandering the road of desperate life Famously beneath the barren sky Leave it to me Hi, this is Danny Yamashiro. A woman in Boston recently told me, I listen to your program every day and was inspired by the man who became an NFL quarterback. A person in Orlando said, I heard your podcast of the man who came to God during the Jesus movement. Another friend said, that pastor who gave one of his organs to a boy without ever meeting the child touched me about Jesus' love. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is made possible through financial partners. Would you consider sending a gift to keep our program going? Podcasts have been downloaded in 49 states and 35 nations in the last six months. Please help us expand our reach. Go to drdanny.live and click support this media ministry. That's drdanny.live and click support this media ministry. You're listening to The Good Life with Dr. Danny, a program of Danny Yamashiro Ministries and Formation Institute. Divisions of Jesus Christ is calling you. Now let's join Dr. Danny and experience The Good Life today. Father Robert Carr is a United States Navy veteran, having served as a sonar technician in the late 1970s and early 1980s, giving him some international experience in the world prior to entering seminary, knowing Christ daily in our lives and living our lives in ways that reflect our knowledge is the exact meaning of being Catholic. Father Carr says, and you can listen to him on WROL and WEZE and on his podcast, find out more at SaintAnthonyAlston.org. Well, Father, how has the Lord helped you recently? Through difficult times, um, I th- you know, it's funny you mentioned because just as I began the sentence, this really popped into my mind. Um, I guess coming from my the background, uh, as I was talking about before, um, there was the understanding, and I kind of talk about this a lot of. Uh, best way I could put this is God helps those who helps themselves. Okay. Which as we always like to explain, does not come from the Bible. It comes from Ben Franklin. And a lot of people have that understanding. So they don't understand how to invite God into their most difficult moments there. And God has helped me understand that reality of saying no over the years. I'm here. Understand that. You know, don't get into the idea of you have to 
wait till you meet me. I'm here now. Um, I was praying one time recently, and I had the sense of like God saying to me, you think that I'm not God, that I can't can take, you know, deal with everything. And then I came up with, and then I found this um, teaching by a priest called Father Dorlindo Rotulio, who teaches this whole thing of let everything go and put it in the hands of the Lord. And people would teach that as I was growing up, but I never heard it to the level that I've heard since I've gone through, uh, I guess, difficult times. And obviously being a priest in the Boston area has been a very difficult time, um, uh, you know, trying to say we believe in Christ. And then there were people who obviously um, disparaged who we are and all that in the middle of it. And trying to, because, understand where I'm coming from. I'm coming from teaching people that I've seen people walk down the wrong path and end up dead because of, you know, good friends of mine. Uh, They're not understanding that there's a God out there that's calling them, and so they found something else. And so, but I'm also learning that myself. And so I think the most important, like, for example, one of the things I teach, the most important thing for me is my daily prayer, uh, holy hour. Absolutely essential. And if I, and probably the most dangerous thing I can do is not pray. Why do you say that? Because that's the beginning of everything. The minute I say, well, I don't have to pray today is the beginning of I don't have to pray tomorrow and I don't have to pray next week and God understands and that's okay. And then the next thing you know, it's not that God turns away from you, it's you turn away from God and you don't realize that. And then all of a sudden it's you going through the motions. So that's the, out of all the priorities I have in the day, that's number one because if I don't do that, it doesn't have to be beginning of the day, it can be any time during the day, but if I don't do that, then I'm setting myself up just to turn into what we call a functioner. How would you describe your relationship with Christ, having grown through the decades, even through these daily prayers? I'd say I first, when I first ordained, I remember in the seminary I mentioned that someone asked me that, and I would look at him as a boss. A nice boss. Uh, uh, what's the world? Uh, 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 a gentle boss. It's not the right I was looking for, but now I see him more as um, a, a, a mentor, but that's not even the right word, is someone who who is calling me to bring others to know him, for me to know him more, for me to share all that, and calling us to be everything that we are called to be in the whole spiritual and material sense within the context of what our destiny is in Christ. I, I, it's, it's obviously hard to put into words well, but that's the best I can do. What about love? Love is learning that constantly and understanding that your most challenging people are your doorways to love, right? The ones that everyone says, get rid of that person, you know, they're nothing but trouble. 
those are the ones that God says, no, you have to work something out here. Um, I, one of my inspirations is Dorothy Day. And Dorothy Day um, really rejected the idea of turning anyone away. And as a matter of fact, I had an interview, we, we did it a few weeks ago, with probably one of my favorite interviews, Scott Schaefer Duffley from the Catholic Worker House in Worcester. And he said they followed that pattern. If someone needed a place to stay, we found a way for them to stay because they didn't believe in turning anyone away. Whereas it's very easy to turn around and say, um, you know, you're too much trouble, go away. And we can easily do that. But the Lord is always there saying, I'm the one who sent that to you, <laughs> sent that person to you. You got to figure that one out. There are things that happen internally in a person mm-hmm. who is praying, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You did mention uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit earlier. Mm-hmm. And what way has that, your encounter with the Holy Spirit in relation to prayer and, and these reflections, how do they overlap, um, come together? Just amazing things can happen. Um, first of all, if I turn around and say to the Lord, I don't have time to pray today, you'll have to figure something out. He will find me time to pray. That's, But also knowing that... It might be through a painful experience, too. It might be, but you'll that. have time. Yes, yeah. that's right. Um, because, and the, the, the other part of that is just things that you know that the... the um, I'm trying to think this through, but the Lord will lead you down different... Well, a great example. How did I end up... We, we were talking about this before the show. It might be too long to tell now. But how did I end up speaking Portuguese? Because through the Holy Spirit and my inability to understand that South Dakota was nowhere near Colorado, <laughs> I ended up in it's Wyoming. It's a, a good geographical lesson for Yes, us. it is. By the way, for anyone who's listening, or do not think that Colorado is next to South Dakota. It isn't. So, <laughs> and I ended up in Wyoming and ended up with rodeos where it happens to be in bull riding. Your number one riders are, well, among the, among the different nationalities. The Brazilians are there, some of the number one riders. And I ended up meeting up with Brazilians. Um, and that's where my Portuguese, and it, and it very strongly ended up with the Brazilian community, a Brazilian media operation, and all through the spirit that you could never, you, you couldn't write that story. No one would believe it. You know, they'd say, no, 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 it's the, you know, strange, truth is stranger than fiction, and that's why. You couldn't write the story. People wouldn't believe it. You actually can believe me that this guy who is in his 40s has no idea that South Dakota is not near Colorado. <laughs> A prayer. Sure. For someone who may be geographically challenged, <laughs> or maybe someone who is challenged with some very, very serious moments right now. Family, health, finances relationships. Father Carr, a prayer. Lord, we ask you to send your spirit upon all who are listening right now and let all come to know your presence. Let all come to know that you are calling them. And all those who may feel, no, the Lord isn't calling me, let them know that the Lord is calling them to come to experience them, to come to know 
him to come to be with him and let them all come to recognize Christ's power in all we are doing. And that's the important thing that can do so much for our society, our families, our churches, and everything else. And continue to bless Pastor Danny's ministry as he continues serving his people in this way of coming to glorify your name in all that we do. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father Carr, your joyful presence is a blessing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. This has been wonderful. I've really greatly enjoyed meeting you and experiencing our time here. Inspiration from Father Robert Carr, stanthonyalston.org. My friend, God's timing is perfect. There's no better time than right now to share the love of Christ with someone near you. And if you haven't done so, this may be that perfect moment for you to open your heart to Jesus. Go to drdanny.live for next steps. Find resources to reach family and friends. Subscribe on Spotify or Apple. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's always a blessing to be with you. Thank you to Father Robert Carr, stanthonyalston.org. Until next time, along with my producer Brian Torres, social media director Luke Yamashiro, guest coordinator Jan Yi, and board operator Joseph Valdivieso. I'm Danny Yamashiro. Remember, the Lord is with you as you share the love of Jesus with someone today. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of The Good Life with Dr. Danny. We hope that today's program has been a blessing for you and that you may find hope in hearing how God's Word affects people from all walks of life. The Good Life with Dr. Danny is a listener-supported program, and we'd like for you to prayerfully consider becoming a sponsor or donor. To contact Dr. Danny and learn more about the ministry, visit drdanny.live. That's drdanny.live. Be sure to tune in weekdays at 6 p.m. to hear The Good Life with Dr. Danny. Until next time, may God richly bless you with The Good Life.